past the town of tribulation and straight on to Daring Do. Chapter 6 As with most summers, one fine day was followed by a downpour, and having spent Tuesday afternoon finding places for my belongings in the now empty cupboards, I didn't look forward to an afternoon with nothing to do. After lunch, sensing that I was bored, Grandma produced a leather-bound book from the shelf above the computer and asked if I would like to look at it. She explained that all good sailors keep a log of their activities. As navigator, it had been her job to record the details of each journey, together with facts about wind, weather and tides. Before opening it, I used my finger to trace the faded gold lettering on the worn cover that told me that this was the log of the Fiona. Instead of the boring lists and tables that I expected to see between its covers, I was surprised to find the little book fascinating. The first pages were dated long before I was born and told of my grandparents' first unsteady steps into sailing. Sometimes they had run aground and on one occasion had had to be towed off a sandbank by a friend. Twice they recorded having received mayday calls from other boats, helping in a rescue from one of them. The later entries would often be accompanied by photographs or small line-drawn maps that had been stuck to the back of each page. The last few were very special because they included Dottie, usually sitting on her coiled rope and wearing small dog. Why don't you start a log, suggested Grandma. But we don't sail anywhere, I said sadly, wishing more than anything that we could go out of those huge lock gates at the entrance of the old harbour, under the pair of bridges I could see from the pierhead, down the Bristol Channel and out towards the open sea. In my mind's eye, I would visit Lundy Island and find a pirate's cave, and further down the channel we would round St David's Head, while the dolphins played alongside us in Ceredigion Bay. My daydream was interrupted by Grandma's laugh. We sailed yesterday. I know it wasn't far, but it was interesting, she said. Anyway, your log could be a record of everything you do while you're staying here. That way, when we see your mother, you'll not forget to tell her about any of your adventures. I gave her a faint smile, but feeling that I would have no adventures to tell her about, said, I just wish we could sail somewhere. She laughed. If wishes were horses, beggars would ride. I was starting to understand some of her sayings. I'd worked out that the best of them conjured up a picture or an idea. However, in my picture, the wishes were boats and the beggars were sailing. She had produced a small ring-bound notebook and after tearing out the few pages on which she'd written shopping lists, wrote on the first clean page, past the town of Tribulation and straight on to Daring Do by Megan Waterfield. I sat and stared at the blank page, unsure how to begin. And then a picture of boat boy Bob and the swimming cat crept into my mind, so I started with drawing both of them. By the end of the afternoon, I'd filled six pages with words and pictures before closing the book and placing it on the shelf above my bed. Tomorrow's weather is looking good, Grandma said as we were eating our evening meal. I have 
have to wait for Mr Sykes, the builder, to come and fix that downpipe outside the kitchen door. He should have finished by lunchtime, so we'll go over to the old harbour when he's gone. It was about one o'clock when we arrived at the car park the next day. It was so full that we had difficulty in finding somewhere to park. Busy for a Wednesday, Grandma said. The fine weather must have brought them all out. She slipped the harness and leash onto Dotty and handed it to me while she went back to the car to collect small dog and a box of biscuits that she'd baked for Billio. As I got out, a woman in the next car opened her door and cried excitedly, It's her! It's the salty sea cat! At the same time, a small Jack Russell terrier leapt off her lap and started to snap at my heels. As I was trying to fend off the dog, I let go of the leash and Dotty, thinking that she was under attack, raced straight off towards the dockside. Stop! I cried out, but Dotty felt that she would be safer in the water and that was exactly where she was heading. I saw Grandma standing at the back of the car with the small dog life jacket in her hands and a look of desperation on her face. Oh no, I thought she'll drown! I knew that the water in the outer basin was very deep and that there was a drop of at least ten feet before you reached it. I called out to a group of people standing near the edge, Stop that cat! But my voice was carried away on the wind. It was then that the most amazing thing happened. From out of nowhere, Boat Boy Bob raced up and threw himself across the panicking animal's path, just as if he was a goalkeeper making a save. I often replay that scene in my mind and it appears that he lunged at her in slow motion, hitting the floor with a thud and reaching out for the passing cat. Unfortunately, she was so nimble that she zigzagged around him and had passed him before he hit the floor. With one last frantic effort, he shot out his arm and managed to grab hold of the end of the leash just as Dotty went over the edge of the dock. We heard a loud chirp as the harness brought her to a juddering halt and she was left hanging in mid-air against the wall of the outer basin. By the time I reached them, Bob had hauled her up and to the dockside and was cradling her in his arms. She seemed to be calmed by the soothing way he was speaking and he carried on stroking her gently. Tears were rolling down my cheeks and it was all that I could do to blurt out, Thank you! Boat Boy Bob told me later that I said it about twenty times between sobs. By this time, Grandma had come over to us, accompanied by the woman whose dog had caused Dotty to set off at such a speed. I was pleased to see that the dog was now shut in her car, although his pacing backwards and forwards showed how anxious he was to join us. At first I thought I would be in trouble for letting go of the leash, but Grandma was more interested in showing me the newspaper that the lady had given her. I was shopping in town, explained the woman, and picked up a copy of the lunchtime edition of the Clarion. I was flicking through it when I found the article on the salty sea cat and had to come down to see her for myself. I'm sorry that my naughty Arthur frightened your cat. He loves cats, mm, said Grandma, but I bet he couldn't eat a whole one. It was such a silly thing to say, but it was just what we needed and everyone stopped being upset and we were all soon laughing. This was the second time that I'd seen Boat Boy Bob smile. The woman with the Jack Russell felt guilty about causing such distress to the little cat, not to mention to Grandma and myself, so she left us with her copy of the Clarion, saying that she'd get another one on the way home. 
as I held the leash tightly, we all sat down on the grass and turned to page five. Wow, said Bob, she's a superstar. No wonder all these people are here. Look, they've got their cameras ready to take photographs. Well, they will just have to wait until her ladyship is properly dressed. Grandma read the article out loud to us. It was headed Salty Sea Cat and told how this special little cat had her own life jacket and loved to do the catty paddle across the inner basin. There was no mention of any of the attractions of the old harbour except for the little Bengal cat who loved to swim there. Grandma would break into her reading by saying things like Look at my hair in that photograph, what a fright! I'm glad he mentioned the leopard cat and so many more interruptions that I thought we would never get to the end. As she finished, we all declared it to be the best article we had ever read and felt extremely proud to know such an unusual cat. Right, madam, she addressed her remark to Dotty. Showtime! Small dog was strapped securely round the little cat's body and she was carried over the lock, up the cinder path, through the gate and down the steps to the Fiona. A cheer went up from the crowd as Grandma lowered her into the water. I set about opening the sail locker so that the net would be ready as soon as she started to grow tired. It was as if she knew that she had an audience of admirers, because she swam for much longer, ventured closer to the far bank than on the previous occasion. When Grandma finally scooped her out of the water, with a flourish that made her look like a ringmaster at the circus, the crowd applauded and cheered. Now, you two, she said to Bob and I, dry her off and tie her to the cleat. I won't be long. She handed us a tin of biscuits, winking at Bob and adding that at least one of us deserved a treat and she'd make another batch for Billio tomorrow. We watched as several members of the crowd approached Grandma on her way back to the car and realised that they were asking for her to sign their copies of the article. Finally, she was able to drive off, returning a few minutes later with an arm full of newspapers. Well, she said, there's one for your mum and one for Bob's mum and one for Aunt Hattie. The list was endless, but finally she added, and one for your log. That evening, I sat and completed the day's entry, sticking the article onto the back of the page. As I wrote about our adventure, I looked forward to my next visit to the old harbour and the new friend I had made. When Grandma came in to say good night, she said that she was pleased that Bob and I were now getting on well. After all, she said, it's not first impressions that count as much as last ones. And I think I understood what she meant. Mm -hmm.